Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to go to the book of Esther tonight. The book of Esther, chapter 3, if you would, this evening. I want to see how the Holy Spirit wants to direct this message and impart this message to us tonight. Esther, chapter 3, if you would go there. I want to set the, uh, thank you, Cody. Thank you so much. I want to set the tone tonight for this evening's message out of the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. So, Lord, we just thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the glory that is resting here and getting thicker and getting thicker and more tangible upon us. May your word open up to us, Lord, and bring illumination and the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom. Lord, may an anointing be loosed in here upon your sons, upon your daughters for the greater glory and the greater assignments that you're going to commission us into to be a messenger, to be a voice, to be a healer, to be a deliverer. Oh, God, thank you. I pray, Lord, your word is like lightning tonight, going into the hearts of your people. Lightning. Lord, ignite your purposes within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You receive that? Five of you? Do you receive that? Good. For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Are you there? Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. One more time. For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. You're in good company tonight, aren't you? You're in good company tonight. Amen? I want to say to you tonight, the eyes of the Lord is upon us. The eyes of the Lord is upon us. The attention of the Lord is upon this company of people, this house that we call Victory, a church of his presence. God's attention is focusing and focusing and focusing more and more here. And the Lord is listening to us. He is listening to our hearts. He is listening to our intercession. He is listening to our prayers. He's listening to our worship. He's listening to our praise. Are you with me tonight? He's listening for us. He loves the sound of your voice. Men, Father loves the sound of your voice. Ladies, 
Father loves the sound of your voice. Isn't that beautiful? If you're in Esther chapter 3 tonight, I want to move into this prophetic story. And I, I believe that's where we're heading tonight into a prophetic parallel of where we're at in this hour. I, I read a book several years ago. It's called The Tipping Point. It's not a Christian book. And in the book, it's about statistics and it's about anomalies, about changing culture, changing nations, changing people groups, changing economics, etc. But it gave insight on acts of courage on people that became a tipping point. You may want to write this down tonight, the tipping point. The tipping point. Anyway, the book's about these statistics, about anomalies of people that actually took courage and began to change culture, began to, began to change nations, people groups, so on and so forth. And the book actually opens with a very unique, kind of a bizarre story of a man that is actually chasing a woman through her neighborhood, and she is brutally murdered in this particular neighborhood in front of 38 of her neighbors. That's how the book begins. But what is interesting is the anomaly within the story that not a single one of them called the police to tell what they've just witnessed. 38 people witnessed a brutal murder in their neighborhood. Not a single one of them called the police to tell of the crime. When they sur surveyed all 38 of the people and they asked why, they found out that when they, after the, the survey, they found that if one person views a crime, 98% will call the police. If one person, if one person views a crime, 98% of just those one people that see a crime, they will call the police. They said, in the book, they said 3%, or, or excuse me, three people, if three people see a crime, 75% will call the police. And the statistic goes lower and lower and lower based on those who saw the crime. Here's the point that the author tries to make, and I want you to write this down tonight. The, the the point he's trying to make is this. Crowds do not create tipping points, but individuals do. Write it down tonight because we're going somewhere. Crowds do not. Now, you may, you may be disagreeing with that, but we'll, we'll, check, we'll check your measurement in a little bit. Crowds do not create tipping points, but individuals do. I, I submit to you tonight that individuals that begin to stand up and act courageously and they begin to take responsibility and they take ownership for a God-given assignment or a God dream will become the tipping point that God desires to use in this hour. It is going to take bold and courageous men of God, women of God who will decide to lock in with the dream. They will lock themselves into the dream of God and the hopes of God for a community, for an education community, for a city, for a region, for a state, perhaps even a nation. Are you with me tonight? Or do I have to like come at you really strong? Do I have to come get you tonight? 
A lot of the church right now would, would rather be pumped full of really good, nice, feel-good messages and continue to insulate their lives from what is called responsibility in the kingdom. That's not what God has called us to do. Come on. That is not what you have been called to. God desires for you to take ownership and responsibility for a dream and a desire what he wants to loose in an outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon America. Come on, are you with me? Men define moments. Men define moments. Women define moments. God needed a Mordecai. God needed an Esther. God needed a Deborah. God needed a Moses. He, he needed a Joseph. He needed a Gideon. He needed a David. He needed a William Wilberforce. He needed a William Seymour. Are you with me? He needed an Evan Roberts. See, God is always looking for a man or a woman. He's always looking for a man or a woman because men and women are what create actual movements. If they will lock their heart into the heart of the Father and allow the Lord to sculpt and create them and renew them and reshape them into a mighty weapon in the hand of God, you too can become the tipping point. This, this is a quiet Lutheran church I'm preaching in tonight. Are you alive tonight? Are you hearing me? I'm going to come for you tonight. Come on. Don't lose your shout. Don't lose your shout. You read Hebrews 11. You read the Hall of Faith. You read about people. See, this is the story of the Bible. That people risk their life to believe God. They risked their life. They risked everything to believe God, to risk themselves, to put themselves into the realm of faith, to stand with God, to stand with the voice of God, to stand with what they heard in the secret place, to vow in the secret place that God says, when I tell you, you don't bow down to that, you mark it in your spirit, I'm not bowing down to that. You partner with God, and you consecrate your life and your heart and your integrity and your character to that which God says is right in his sight, and you abstain from that which is evil in his sight. It's a word we got to hear. Crowds do not create the tipping point, but individuals do. I believe that we're seeing an epic story right now. And if this rubs you the wrong way, get over it. That sounds real pastoral, doesn't it? We are watching a man who God has raised up, who God has raised up to lead this nation. You are watching a man that God raised up. And he is by the hand of God, becoming a mighty weapon to the Antichrist spirit, not only in America, throughout the entire world. It's amazing. 
where God will loose his anointing, put his anointing upon if you will just but yield to the Spirit of God and know what God is upon and bless what God is upon. I remember doing, during the Republican primary, I was the one who told my wife, there is no way I will never vote for Donald Trump. He rubs me the wrong way. He aggravates me. He ticks me off. I, I hated his carnal jokes. I, I couldn't stand the things he said uh, uh, to those guys standing next to him. He rubbed me the wrong way. I told my wife, Jim, I said, I will never, ever, never vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> I'll never vote for him until I had a dream. <laughs> Until I had a dream. I'm going somewhere tonight. I'm talking about the tipping point. I'm talking about the tipping point. In this dream, my wife and I, we were gathered with Christian leaders throughout our nation. I knew many of them in the dream. And I saw this circle. And in the, in the middle of the circle stood Donald Trump and Melania Trump. He was holding his wife in his left hand just like I was holding my wife in my left hand, Bren. And I had my hand down. But I was looking around the room and I was watching these ministers stretching forth their hand and making declaration and decree and intercession over his life and power and anointing. And I stood there silent with my hands down. Suddenly the Lord lifted me over the room and I began to watch all the level of intercession as they were blessing Donald and Melania Trump. And I came over myself and I began to look at myself and the, son, the, the, the Lord said, Son, you have the power within you to withhold and relinquish your blessing and you have the power to release that blessing that I have put within you. What will you do? In the dream, I came under a conviction, a conviction of the Holy Ghost. And I said, oh, God, I was, I was stunned. First, I was offended by God. You know, God, this is not popular teaching, but I, I'll tell you something. God will offend you to reveal what is in your heart. You may not like to hear that tonight, and you may not say amen. You may just say, oh, my, or oh, me, oh, oh, that hurt. But God will offend you to reveal what's in your heart. He, he'll do that. And I was under this conviction in the dream, and I said, oh, God. I said, please forgive me for not praying for this man. Please forgive me for not blessing him. And from this moment forth, Lord, I choose and I declare to Bless him. And I stretched forth my hand and intercession started pouring out of my spirit in the dream like an effortless river. Just, I woke up out of the dream and I was crying and I was conflicted. <laughs> and I got up out of the bed and I started walking through our bedroom. I was broken and I was crying. My wife got up. I said, I had a dream. I said, let me tell you the dream. She was stunned. She was stunned. And I said, Brent, I've already repented to God. Now I want to repent to you for not praying for this man. God has chosen this man. 
and he has raised him up. And from this day forward, I'm going to release, from this day forward, I'm going to release my blessing and my prayers and my intercession over Donald Trump. That's how it all began. God is using him right now as a tipping point against the globalist agenda. And this tipping point has to endure the highest level of conflict. He has to be steadfast, and he has to be immovable. And I implore you, church, to pray for him. I implore you tonight to pray for President Donald Trump. I implore you to pray for Vice President Mike Pence. I, am, I implore you to pray for our government, for our Congress. I implore you in Jesus' name. There are scriptural tipping points all over the Bible. Tonight, I want you to look for just a moment before we go to Esther. I want you to think about Daniel. And I want, you, I just, I want to set this in place tonight. Daniel creates a tipping point. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he has captured Jerusalem. He's torn down the temple. He's destroyed Jerusalem. And he's captured four boys, these Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Okay? I want you to think about their captivity. Because while there is, while there is this story being written, how many of you know that God is always writing another story that looks nothing like the story that's actually being written in the natural. Are you hearing me? These young men are brought into captivity. They're decimated and they're brought into captivity to the Babylonians. But God's story is actually being written far exceeding greater that now God is bringing the captors into captivity just by four men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Four men were able to do what an entire army was not able to do. And the reason was is that from within, they would not bow down and tolerate what they were told to do in captivity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight? By prayer, by fasting, by increasing in wisdom and in boldness, they were able to break forth out of captivity and see Israel brought back into their destiny. I wonder so often if we underestimate what God is doing in our lives right here in the right now. I wonder sometimes if we sell ourselves so short when we look at our limited ability, our limited talents, our, our limited platforms, our limited whatever. So many times we sell ourselves so short, but only in the light of eternity we will know how God has used our lives. Will you be a man? Will you be a woman who will pull away to seek the very heart and the mind of God, who will pray, 
Who will intercede? Who will fast? Who will humble themselves and say, God, whatever you desire of me, however you want to write me into your story of history, God, I'll be that woman. I'll be that man. I will pay that price to stand bold and to stand strong. Are you hearing me tonight? The Babylonians then were conquered by a Persian king. His name was Cyrus. Are you tracking with me? And eventually, Cyrus, he commissions Nehemiah of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple, which we know through history was an estimated $70 billion. Wow. Four young men, not an entire army, but four young men were able to dismantle the enemy and get Israel back on track. Esther chapter 3, are you there tonight? This is a mighty story. It's an epic story. Vashti, King Ahasuerus' wife, the queen, she's thrown out of the kingdom. We know there's a mighty beauty pageant in the land. Wow, exciting. And yet behind the scenes, there, there is a story, there is a sinister plot by Haman that is being written that he is seeking to annihilate the Jewish people. He is seeking to annihilate God's chosen people. And while he's writing this story, there is another story being written by God. Now, even in the natural, we understand that there's news being made tonight, but there's also fake news being made tonight. Are you with me? What we have to tune into is what God is at work in. And in Esther chapter 3, I'm going to begin in verse 6. It says, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai, Esther's uncle, alone. Now, this is speaking of Haman. Now, just to back up for just a second, you'll remember that Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. Remember, Ahasuerus raised up Haman and blessed him and gave him power, gave him a mighty seal so that every time he rode through the city, everyone had to bow down at seeing Haman. He had authority. He had power, right? We learned this right at the beginning of chapter 1, chapter 2. But then we see that Mordecai... Esther's uncle refuses to bow down, and because of it, Haman begins to hate him with wrath. Okay? So he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai, Esther's uncle, alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. I'm in verse 8. And then Ham, uh, Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all the other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. And therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. Notice that there's flattery, there's increase. You're going to benefit from these actions. Sadly, 
the king was duped. Are you seeing this? The king, if you know the story, the king was tricked. The king was duped. But I want to tell you tonight, God wasn't tricked. God wasn't duped. A lot of people in this hour are being duped. God's not duped, folks. A lot of people are being tricked in this hour. God's not being tricked. And he's going to have the final story. And the letters were sent out, and I'm in verse 13, by the carriers into all the king's provinces to destroy and kill and to annihilate all the Jews, both old, young and old, little children and women, in one day. And on the 13th day of the 12th month, in which it was the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions, a copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province being established for the people that they should be ready for that day. Now, maybe I need to add some meat to what I'm trying to prophetically say to you. See, because the, the, enemy, the enemy right now is trying to load and legislate laws and to bring about statutes that will not only be incriminated upon us, but it will try to silence and snuff the church out. It will fail. Will fail. Because on that day, God had a woman. Ladies, are you with me tonight? Are you with me? God had a woman. And he had created Esther to become a mighty tipping point. A mighty tipping point. She would actually plunder an entire army that Haman had amassed to himself. Wow. She had a heart that was fully consecrated to God. Mordecai pulled her aside. Don't you thank God for Mordecai? And he spoke into her life. He spoke into her destiny. He pulled her aside and said, who knows if God hasn't called you up now for the kingdom for such a time as this. Now here again, when he said for such a time as this, there had to be a response. And the response was a woman that would marry herself to the purposes of God. And said, she said, if I perish, I perish. But she was willing to humble herself and believe and submit to the will and purposes of God, that God could actually use her. Oh, let that breathe faith into your spirit tonight, that God could actually use her. That in the providence that in the hand of God, God would bring her into a place of becoming a deliverer. Now, lest you think we're just romancing some biblical history tonight, what the Holy Spirit is actually doing is He's breathing upon your heart and your soul and your spirit. And He's sweeping through this family tonight and brewing upon us so that we are awaking to the brewings and the, the wooings of the Spirit so that we can awaken ourselves to a yes to God. A yes to God. A surrendered yes to God. That's what he's looking for. Holy Spirit, awaken us.
So chapter 7, if you look at chapter 7, there the dinner is set. And Esther then begins to expose Haman, the devil, to the king. And he begins to tell the king about what he's actually been secretly setting up and setting in order. And I'm going to begin to read in verse 9. Actually, no, I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up a few verses. Let's just go to one. Ready? So the yeah, Let's go to one. Ready? Are you there? So the king and Haman, they went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half of the kingdom. And it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Verse 4. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. We have been sold as male and female slaves. I have held my tongue. And although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss, so King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who should dare to pursue his heart to do such thing? And Esther said, the adversary and the enemy is the wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king arose in his wrath from the banquet and the wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life. For he saw the evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet and wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And the king said, will you also assault the queen while I am in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbanon, one of the eunuchs, said this to the king, look, watch this, look, the gallows, 50 cubits high which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. And then the king said, hang him on it. Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that they had prepared for Mordecai. And then the king's wrath was subsided. Once again, are we, are we just reviewing biblical history tonight? No. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. Because right now, stories are being written. And the enemy is plotting. The, en the enemy moves and traffics in realms of darkness and secrecy. I want you to hear that again. The enemy moves and traffics in realms of shadows and secrecy, but the enemy can't be brought into the light because lest he be brought into the light, his evil deeds are exposed. In John chapter 3, Jesus said this was, this was the terrible judgment of man because he said they would rather move in the shadows of darkness lest they be brought into the light and their evil deeds then be exposed. 
Lest we be duped in this hour, we know the enemy is at work. We know the enemy is surplanting. We know the enemy is planting his seeds. We know the the enemy is raising up those who he puts a demonic anointing upon. And we're seeing it all the time. But don't you be duped and don't you be tricked. (sighs) Because God is writing his own story. Because God is writing his own story. There are some men and there are some women. And they are not few. They are many. They are not few. They are many who are hiding out with God, that God is going to raise up in this hour that will be such bold testaments of the word of the Lord that will stand and decree and say the word of the Lord at all cost. Those in the secret place who have said, if I perish, I perish. I am consecrated to join my life with the purposes of God in the earth in this hour. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? She became a tipping point. Here we go. Chapter 8. Go there for just a moment. Chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. I love this. Because a decree was now being able to be written by Esther and Mordecai. A blessing over the Jews. As Haman was thrown upon the gallow. See, do you understand what a gallow is? A, a gallow is a, is a high tower spike that they would drop bodies down upon and impale them through from the back through the chest. You got to see this picture. Sorry to be so. It's your Bible. <laughs> it's your Bible. They took Haman and that which he had brought for evil to destroy Mordecai and the Jewish people. He himself was now thrown down on the gallow and impaled through. Now the days come, chapter 8. Are you there? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hung him on the gallows because he tried to lay hands on the Jews. Mm. You yourselves, watch this, you yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please, and in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. My God. The word of the king will stand. The word of the king will stand. Now, this is, this is what I love. This is what I love is that the king said to Mordecai and to Esther, he said, you write the decree. Hear this tonight, because this is our challenge. You write the decree. What will you say? 
what will you legislate? What will you legislate? What will you say, church? The church that Christ is building, that the gates of hell cannot stand against it. What will you legislate? What will you say? And when you say it and when you decree it, the king will be there to say, I back that up. Are you here? You know the Lord wants to back you up? You know the Lord wants to back you up? He wants to show you, I'm your dad. I've got you in this. You're my daughter. You're my son. I'm going to back you up in this. What will you say? What will you decree? Sadly, a lot of people are so confused about this hour. And so many are being duped and being tricked to believe the story that the enemy has written for America. But I got good news for you. I got good news for you tonight. See, the praying church is not relenting. The praying church is not letting go. The praying church is still hiding away with God, saying, God, what do you say? What do you see? What do you decree? And the intercessors and the gatekeepers, come on, the intercessors and the gatekeepers are standing in their place in this hour in agreement with God to say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to tell you something. The church is, is, is a little late getting to the ball game, but I'm going to tell you something. Some people are finding their bats and their mitts. Are you hearing me? I almost said finding balls. But then I thought, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for that. But I went ahead and said it. Some of you are going to find your courage. Some, are, some of you are going to find your courage. Some of you are going to find your balls. You're going to find your bats. You're going to find your mitts. You're going to find your voice. You're going to find your position. And you're going to find out how to stand against the wiles and the trickery of the devil. You're going to find out how to stand in this hour violently. Some are arriving late to the game. But don't miss out. And don't be duped. Because God is writing a decree over this nation. And the praying church is standing. We're going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost in America. We are going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is beyond anything we have ever conceptually imagined was even possible the Lord is going to drop such bombs of glory in regions across this nation that is going to shock people. Shock people. I'm in agreement with it. As for me and my house, I'm in agreement with it. As for me and this house, I'm in agreement with it. I'm not being duped. I'm not being tricked.
I'm listening to God's story. God needs some people way beyond Donald Trump who will be immovable, who will be unstoppable, who will be unquenchable, who will be unshakable in this hour. God is looking for men and women in this hour. He's looking for you. He's listening. What will you say? Will you just go on and just say what everybody else is say, saying? Will you just go with the bad news? Will you, just go, will you just be flushed down the toilet with everybody else just believing a bad word, speaking a bad word, believing a bad word? Or will you embrace what the Lord is saying over this nation right now? Will you believe for a total ultimate comeback from the Lord? Will Come on, church. Come on. Will you believe for an ultimate comeback? Will you believe for a divine turnaround from the Lord? Don't be sorry. You can shout in this church. The king said, you, you write the decree and I'll back it. You write the decree and I'll back it. Here's a decree for you. Abortion will be abolished from the United States of America. Abortion will be abolished from the United States of America. Now, my heart is won over to the Lord's decree. That's his will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the will of our Father. And we have to be the ones in the earth realm saying amen to it. I remember when we were at Azusa in 2016, we were in a, Azusa in the Los Angeles Coliseum Stadium. And I, re, I remember we were worshiping. I was amongst about 50,000 people, and they were posting everyone's Twitter feed only to look up and see Victoria Gibbs, a young lady in this church that I know really well. And she tweeted, she said, America shall be saved. America shall be saved. And throughout that massive coliseum, everybody, everybody began to shout because when those, when those tweets came up, we just started decreeing them and declaring them. When, the, when those treats, treats, <laughs> when those tweets just rang out over that coliseum, we began to make that our decree. And you could hear people everywhere just shouting, America shall be saved. America shall be saved. Come on, say it. America shall be saved. Say it. America shall be saved. America shall be saved. God is listening. What will be our decree? God has given you authority. I want to go back to the front of this train, folks. It's people that become the tipping point. It is individuals, it is men, it is women who become the tipping point. It is friends of God like you. 
It's the God lovers. It's the covenant keepers. It's the burning ones like you. It's the burning hearts like you who partner with God and say, God, I'll believe you at all cost. I will stand. I will walk by faith and not by sight. When everyone else is being duped in virtual reality by what they see, I will still stand and decree my faith. God is listening. God is listening for us. And it's time we show up. I said it's time we show up. I say it's time we find our bats. I say it's time we find our mitts and something else. We need to find it. We need to find it. Because God needs it. I get a kick out of Christians that are so easily offended. I get a kick out of them. They're just so easily offended. They're so weak. They're pitiful. They're just pitiful. They're pitiful weak. Anything offends them. Anything and everything offends them. It's amazing what a learning curve we are getting. Now, you remember my story in the, in the beginning of this? I was so offended. I was so mad. I was so offended. How could anyone talk that way? Oh, I, I will never. And God was saying, yeah, you'll never. <laughs> I'm setting you up, Brian. I'm writing another story for you. I'm writing a whole other story for you. And I want to tell you something, folks. Because my wife and I yielded, because we yielded to the Lord, I cannot believe I can believe. Let me re-say that. Lord, I renounce that, and I'm going to re-say it. I can believe the doors that the Lord is now opening in Washington, D.C., because, because we said yes to God. It's true. It's true. Because we said yes, because we came into agreement with what God was doing. And we just yielded ourselves to it. We yoked ourselves to it. Are you with me tonight? God wants to bless you, and God wants to make you a blessing. In this hour, he wants you to partner with him for what he's going to do in this hour for America and the nations. I believe God wants to make this family, this family of believers, a blessing beyond anything we've ever believed. I have faith for that. I have faith for that. Do you have faith for that? Stand to your feet tonight. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.